Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Pastors love it when the offering takes long. We do. We just love it. It's always a good sign when it takes a long time. Hey, glad you're here today. Hey, happy Mother's Day and uh, super excited about your being here today. Um, But I do want to talk about Mother's Day for just a second. Uh, It is a great day for a lot of people. But about eight or ten years ago, we had one of our staff share with us that for a long time, Mother's Day was a day that she did not look forward to. Um, And the reason was they they couldn't have a child. Um, And so it changed my perspective on Mother's Day. And so I think about all the scenarios. For some, it's a great day. For some, it's a a reminder, maybe that you haven't been able to be a mom, that, or maybe you're estranged from your mom, or maybe your mom has just passed away. And so, while I do want to celebrate moms, I want to just take a moment. I want to pray for if that's you today. I want to pray for you uh, that one of the promises we have is that God says He's close to the brokenhearted. And so I want to pray for you and let you know that God loves you and that uh, you're not alone. So, Lord, we come to you. You know every heart. And, Lord, you know the ones that are having a difficult time today whose hearts are broken. And, Father, I pray that they would feel your presence. And they would know that you love them. And Lord, I say that while also saying we celebrate moms today. Thank you for the way that you've planned our lives out. And so we celebrate them and this day in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think we need to bump the air down a little bit. Uh, I'm not a prophet, but I sound like one, don't I? That guy's smart, isn't he? Whenever I see people fanning before I get started, but if we could bump it down a couple degrees, and then, then you'll be shivering, you'll be mad at me, and that'll be okay. So, What are you willing to give? What are you willing to give? We're, we're in a series on Acts. We've just been walking through Acts. Uh, last week, we talked about being all in. This message is kind of like a part two to that. What are you willing to give? This is a question that we ask ourselves all the time. We're constantly asking this question, what am I willing to give? You may think, I never ask that question, but we do. We ask this all the time. Uh, when, when you go to buy a car, you've already planned out in your mind what you're willing to give. Yes? And then you give a little bit more. You ever done that? We're not going, we're going this far. But you have, you've, you've done it. You've planned it out. We're, this is what we can do. When you go out to eat and they say the wait is going to be 45 minutes, you're planning out in your mind, am I willing to give this? And if you know Gary Thompson, the answer is no. One of the funny stories, I've told you all this before, is that we went to Tokyo, and they said the wait was 45 minutes. I'm like, we're not waiting. This is a long time ago, and I don't know what I was thinking. And so we drove and got in the car and drove down to Nagoya. I didn't know where we were going, but nobody was at Nagoya. So we went in and sat down. I looked at the menu. We all got water. Looked at the menu. It is double the price of Tokyo. 
You know what I said? Let's get back in the car. We went back in the car, went back to Tokyo and got in line. Because you know what? I can give some time, but I wasn't about to give some money. Line at the grocery store or a store. Don't tell Leslie this, but I was in line yesterday to get some Mother's Day gifts. The line was so long, y'all. I know you're going, why'd you wait till the last minute? We don't have to go there. <laughs> the, the fact of the matter was, I was in line. I was trying. But I immediately thought, man, I don't want to do this. I'm thinking about what. But I didn't have, you didn't have a choice. What am I wanting? You're willing to give. You want to go to the Braves game? I tell you, when I go, the, when, since they moved the Braves to Marietta, it's the first thing on my mind. Am I willing to do this? Do I want to drive to Marietta on a Friday night? Most of the time, the answer is no. I love the Braves. I'm just being honest. Kids sports. What am I willing to give? I remember when Marissa made cheerleader at Eastside High School. I remember that, man. We were so excited. And then they told me the price tag. <laughs> oh, boy. Paying for college. What am I willing to give? What can I? Going to the doctor. Don't we put this off a lot of times? Because we don't want to pay and we don't want to wait in line. We're thinking all the time, what am I willing to give? And even with church, it comes about church, what am I willing to give? And today, I want to talk about this whole concept of willing to give in the context of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we've been walking through the book of Acts where we've been looking at the history of the church. Acts is the history of the church. You see how the church started, and then you see how things happen. Last week we saw where sin entered the church, so we had a visible sin in the church and how things happened and, and, and how God dealt with it, and we, we looked at that. And today we're going to see the same thing where the whole question is, what do you want to give? Because here's why. Placing your faith in Jesus costs you nothing. It's free. Cameron did a great job of explaining that, that you and I deserve death, that we're not perfect, that if you're honest today, you realize that you have committed sins, that you're not perfect, that you have issues. I do too. And that deserves death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God, God's free gift, Jesus Christ, costs me nothing. Free. Placing my faith in Jesus costs me nothing. But listen to this. Following Jesus costs you everything. And so it comes to this question, what are you willing to give? And here's the truth. Even when it comes to church, even when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, we all kind of have set a boundary. That's as far as I'll go. And I wonder if it's far enough. So let's look at the Scriptures today. It says, this scripture that we use a lot of time just talking about this whole concept of how far. And Paul's writing to the church in Rome and he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, plead, I plead with you to offer your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. For what Jesus did on the cross, you offer your very body, a living sacrifice. You're going to use that word. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let me just share something. Sacrifice doesn't hold anything back. That's what I said today is kind of part two of all in. It's all in. What are you willing to give? Let him be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Well, that's the bar. Well, how do we live this out? How do you how do you live this out? We get the great opportunity to just see how this is played out in the life of the early church. And you're going to hear the story of Stephen. And I'm just going to give you three things that if you want to have a barometer of living out, being a sacrifice, being this living sacrifice, three things. First is this, live as a servant. Live as a servant. Now you're going to hear the story of Stephen. You're going to, you're going to hear this, uh, what's going on, and I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a little bit of background and get you caught up here. The church is doing well. Uh, thousands are coming, even though there's been sin. I got, talked about this sin in the church last week. That they respond and things go bad, and the church just keeps growing. Well, anyway, the church is trying to take care of everybody. It's growing. They're trying to take care of everybody. So they have a food ministry going on where they're feeding people. Well, some of the people, the people who weren't Jewish, uh, they weren't getting their food. And so when you don't feed people, guess what they do? They complain. You ever do that? I'm hungry. You're feeding them. You're not feeding me. When's dinner? And so they go to the apostles, the leaders of the church, and they start to complain. It says they started to grumble. They started to murmur. Not that you guys would ever do that, would you? And our church would never be like that. It's too hot. It's too cold. Turn the air on. And so what they decide to do is the apostles decide to get some people to help them. So we're going to pick up this right here, this Scripture. Just, so the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God and not running a food program. Now, it seems a little harsh. seems like they don't care about the people, whether they eat or not. They do. They want to feed them spiritually. And this is always a rub of what the pastor is going to do and what he is supposed to do. It is. It's always a rub. Some churches are set up to where the pastor does everything. They've hired him to do everything. They hire staff to do everything. That people just come on Sunday morning and they write a check and they go home, or they may not even write a check. They may just go home. But that's not God's ideal, and that's not how we're set up here at Eastridge. We hire people to do tasks, but we hire people most of all to get people to serve. That's what, if you want to know what. McKenzie and Michelle are doing better. They're trying to get people to serve. When we talk about we want to open children's ministry, they can't watch all the kids by themselves. You guys get this, right? That their job is to get people to serve. That my job, when somebody asked me this week, what's the best part about your job? You know the best part of my job is getting people to serve. That's the best job. That's when I, I enjoy life the most in the church world is when people serve. Get people to serve. And that's the way God set it up. You're going to see right here. It says that they said they didn't have time to run a a food program. And so, brothers and sisters, select seven men who are well-respected and full of spirit and wisdom. And I'm going to stop right here. You're going to use me, hear me use the phrase spirit a lot today because you're going to see this is a big part about following Jesus. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. I heard Andy Stanley teach one time. And he talked about, he told a story about his dad, Charles Stanley, that every Christmas he would go down to the production of where they were producing the books that Charles had written and they had Christmas specials. He would go down and he would work the assembly line with the people that were, that was, that was their volunteer job to do that. And finally, one of the volunteers said, why doesn't Charles do this all the time? 
And, and somebody said, because if he did this all the time, there would be no books for us to send out. Here's the point, that everybody has a job in the church, that we're all part of a body, that everybody has a job, everybody has a part. And here's the truth. I'm not above doing anything. I know you're thinking, Gary, if you know me, that is not the truth. And this is not about me. This is, I'm just going to be quick. When we were portable, I pushed carts as much as anybody. I got no problem picking up trash or doing whatever. It's no big deal. But the truth is that it would be counterproductive if Scott and I and Brad and I, if that's all we did was those things. It's counterproductive. This is what changes people's lives and getting them to serve is preaching and prayer. Is everybody with me on this? And the church works best when everybody's doing their job as a body. And I love this part. Then we can spend our time preaching the word. Here's what I love about it, because this never happens in the church. Listen to me. This phrase never happens. Everyone liked this idea. This never happens. Doesn't matter what you did. Who, who put these floors in? Who chose that carpet? Why don't we have this at the cafe? We need yoo-hoos. Somebody told me they came in with yoo-hoos. You know what's funny about that? I put a request in last week for the cafe to have snack crackers. Because we all got ideas that we want. I'm like, hey, we need snack crackers. You know why I think we need snack crackers? Because I like snack crackers. And so guess what we have today? We have snack crackers. We're working on the yoo-hoos. Everybody liked this idea. Now, that never happens. But they like the idea that we're going to get people to serve. Listen to me. That idea has not changed. It hasn't. It hasn't changed one bit. That has always been how the church has worked. The church is the most volunteer-intensive organization in the history of the world. Volunteer-driven. So, we'll give this responsibility. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You hear me tell that? You're going to hear that over and over again about him. Philip, and then there's Procurus. If you don't know the names, just say them real fast. Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. When you serve, when we live as servants, God's message is not hindered. It spreads more rapidly. Things don't get bogged down. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So let me share this with you. The first part of sacrificial living is this. I am a servant. You are a servant. I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts with you. I can't help everybody, but I can help somebody. This is true inside of the church. You're a servant inside of the church and outside of the church. I can't help everybody, but I can help somebody. Second one is this. I can't do everything, but I can do something. I told you last week or the week before, I can't remember, that when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, and you're going to hear me talk about this at the next point, that you have been given a gift, an ability to serve. Use it. Second thing is this. 
Let the Holy Spirit lead. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Now, you've heard me talk about this, uh, that, that Stephen was full of the Spirit. I'm going to read through the Scripture here and, and talk about this. The battle of your life is this. I don't care if you're a believer in Jesus Christ or if you're not a believer. Here's the battle of your life. Will the Holy Spirit lead your life? Because here's what's going on. If you're a believer in Christ, when you accept Christ, I go over this all the time. Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you to guide you. The scriptures call him a counselor, a comforter. I call him a personal trainer. He's a personal trainer to make you more like Christ, to help you be more like Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is working in your life, calling out to you. Follow Jesus Christ. He's real. He's here. He loves you. Those things are going on in your mind, in your heart. This is what's going on. People inviting you to church, the Holy Spirit working in your life. The battle of your life is, will I let the Holy Spirit lead? Because you can stifle the Spirit. You can quench it. The Holy Spirit comes into our life, but He's a gentleman. He doesn't, you're not a robot. He doesn't force you to do things. He's guiding you into truth. He's talking to us, telling us. He's saying things to us like, stop doing that. This is what He tells me. Gary, you're too harsh. Go help that person. Pray for this person. Call. Sometimes he'll have me call somebody. I'll just call. If you've ever gotten a call and you're like, why is Gary calling me? It's because I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me that maybe, maybe you need somebody to talk to or, or maybe something's going on. I've done this over and over again. And if I haven't called you, then you must be doing good, okay? So, Because that's as soon as people, why are you calling me? But you're doing great then. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Because here's the truth. Left to your own will, left to your own ways, living a life of sacrifice, it does not come naturally to us. And it's easy to put that off. So I'm going to show you the story of Stephen. And, and look right here. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles, and signs among the people. But one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicily, and the providence of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. The same thing, the spirit, he was being led by the spirit. You see, he's full of the spirit. It was the outpouring of the spirit in his life. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we've heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. They roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law, so they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. Stephen was led by the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. It, it manifested itself into what he said and what he did. And you and I, if we're going to live this life, a sacrificial life, if we're going to be willing to give our all, then we've got to let the Holy Spirit lead. What does that look like? How do you know when that's happening? Is it that I'm able to do supernatural things? When Galatians... 
Paul writes, and he gives us a good example of what that looks like. You know the Holy Spirit is leading in your life when this is happening in your life more. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That when that's happening in your life more and more, then you know that the Holy Spirit is leading. That you're following Him. That you are being made into the image of Christ. That you're changing. That things are happening. So let me ask you this question. Who's leading your life? Who's leading your life? Because left to ourselves, I'm telling you, that if it's going to be me and my will and what I want, then I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be willing to give very much at times. And then come to the third one, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. Is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. It's interesting that we're talking about Mother's Day and what are you willing to give I think we would all agree that God chose well when He chose the female to give birth. Could you imagine the guys doing this? They would only do this once. There would never be, there would be one child at, at, at the most that a guy who was going to be have morning sickness. Man, they would they would we would whine about it all the time. I'm telling you, it would be a whine, and then this whole thing of. Uh, just heartburn. Nine months. Nine, you got to do this nine months? Most guys wouldn't want to do it for nine minutes. And then get to the actual part of the pain of it. No guy's ever going to... There's nobody... There's no guy that goes, well, I'd really... I'm glad it's... I wish I could take your place. Nobody says that. No God. I'm right here, honey. <laughs> Holding your hand. But a woman looks at the end. A child, being a mom, she sees the end result. I want to talk to you about looking at something today. Look at Jesus. There's a big difference between gazing at something and glancing at something. We're, we're good at glancing. We'll glance at stuff, glance at our phone. We're, 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 we're multitasking, looking at people talking. We don't even know really what's going, what's, what's going on. I remember when my kids were younger, they'd be wanting to talk to me. This is, this is how old I am. That I, would, I would be reading a paper when you used to do that. You read, and I remember one of them just came and just crashed the newspaper. Play with me. Okay. Look at me. Your kid does something, say, look, Dad, look. I want you to see, look, look, look. Look at Jesus. Cameron gave you a great picture of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Look at Jesus. I believe this with all my heart. All of hell all the powers of hell want to keep our eyes off of Jesus Christ. Because 
when you and I look at Jesus, we're changed. When we look at Jesus, when we focus on Jesus, things happen. And we have moments where we're focused on Him and then other times where we're just not. Look at Jesus. Stephen, he didn't just talk about sacrifice. He's, he's, he's about to be a sacrifice. Why are these messages so hard? I just want you to know where the early church came from. It wasn't Christianity light. It wasn't just showing up. It was being part of something where, man, it cost you something. And the only way you're going to want to give that is when you look at Jesus Christ. You look at what He did for you, who He is, how He loves you, all those things. Look at the Scriptures here. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They, they arrest Stephen and then he starts preaching. And he tells them that they're the same message over and over again, that they're sinners, they need Jesus, they put Him on the cross. A lot of people don't like that message, but a lot of people get saved by it. And so they shook their fist at Him in rage, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, same thing I keep telling you, he's led by the Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told him, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man, Son of Man is just another description of Jesus Christ standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting and they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And if you don't know what stoning is, it's where they put somebody in the middle and everybody throws big rocks at them until they're dead. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Focused on Jesus all the way to the end. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with his sin. And with that, he died. Focus on Jesus. How do you do that? Well, there's a bunch of ways to do it, but I'm going to present something to you today. So many times we segment our life. Like when I come to church, I think about Jesus. When I read my Bible, I think about Jesus. When I'm praying, I think about Jesus. But we kind of segment it like a piece of pie. What if you stop doing that? What if you started whispering the name of Jesus? I know it's going to sound a little weird. That if you started your day when you wake by whispering the name of Jesus, Jesus, I know you're with me. When you get in your car or your truck, Jesus, I know you love me. When you're at work, Jesus, use me. You're just talking, just whispering yourself. I mean, I'm not saying shout it out or anything. I'm not saying get in front of everybody and then look like a weirdo or anything, but you're just talking to the Lord. To just whisper, Jesus. The writer of Hebrews kind of says this, that we focus on Jesus. As a matter of fact, 
He gives this description. We've been talking about this series. It's called Witness, that we would be witness witnesses. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, these people that are in heaven, they're in witnesses. They're witnesses of what's been done. They're in heaven. And if you get this picture, they're cheering us on. They're shouting for us. You can make it. You can do it. You got this. He says, let us strip off everything that slows us down, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. Maybe today is a day that you can start whispering the name of Jesus more. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to give? Left to myself? Left to yourself? I'm not sure what that's going to mean. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus, when I'm led by the Spirit, live as a servant, sacrifice happens. And God's glorified. If you're here today, I don't want to make any assumptions. Maybe you've never ever whispered the name of Jesus to save you. Never understood. He's calling out to you. And all you got to do is whisper your name. Jesus, I'm placing my trust in you. I'm placing my faith in you. Maybe for the rest of it, today's a day where we renew our commitment. Say, Jesus, you're worth it all. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to sacrifice. We're going to have a time of decision. I'm going to pray and then the band's going to come forward. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a time where we can just be challenged. Renew our commitment. If you have a decision to make, I'll be down front. I would love to talk to you. Or maybe you want to come and pray. The front is an altar. What are you willing to give? Let's pray. Father, We thank You for Jesus. Lord, we whisper Your name. Jesus, thank You for loving us. Thank You for forgiving us. Thank You for going to the cross. God, we say your name today, the name of your son, Jesus Christ, as a reminder to us of everything that you've done for us and the life that you've given us. But Lord, I pray for the person here today that's never 
never said your name, never placed their trust in you, never understood how much you love them. Jesus, thank you. making a way for us. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us that we would renew our commitment if that means in our seats, if that means up front, that whatever it means, Lord, that when someone asks, what are we willing to give? When you ask us, what are we willing to give? Sacrifice won't seem too great. It'll seem normal. And so, Lord, we turn our eyes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.